Hello and welcome to Rednets, the official podcast of Empire of the Cop. Joining me today to dissect uh, the latest COVID developments, the Chelsea game and, of course, our postponed fixture of Arsenal and the general January transfer window in general. Um, We have Rick Elliott, Steve Carson and our very own Peter Kenny Jones. Welcome again, lads. It's lovely to see you all. Um, I mean, let's get right into it with that sort of COVID update. So um, I'm sure many a Liverpool fan will be very familiar with by this point. Um, Our upcoming League Cup fixture against Arsenal has been postponed courtesy of another COVID outbreak. Uh, So the latest round of testing returned several positives, including one for Pep Linders. And thankfully, the EFL accepted our postponement request. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's postponed. So we're going to be playing now. So the first leg on the 13th at Anfield, the second on 20th, meaning that Liverpool lose the home advantage. Uh, Pete, what, what have you made of this all? It's still been a bit mad, doesn't it, really? I think um, the, we were always quite staunch in our, you know, saying we wanted to have the games carrying on and didn't want to be stopping it. And I think they, they would stay loyal to that, you know what, given... That I know he said it quite a few times. He didn't want to make excuses about the Chelsea game, but he did say he didn't want to make excuses quite a lot of times. So it almost sounded like an excuse. But obviously we had no Klopp and quite a few players missing, and that was the same against Tottenham. And it's it's been there a little bit, but obviously everyone's in the same boat. And I think by you know saying that they wanted to postpone it, and then saying Pep Linders had it, and then saying the training ground was closed, I felt like they were like just trying to make sure everyone realised how bad it was and obviously it, it must be quite bad so I think hopefully everyone's back fit and healthy soon and it, you know, it, it must be bad because I think there would have been a bit of rotation anyway so hopefully it's however long we need out is is what we get but we'll, we'll see what happens like just just yeah hopefully everyone's all right is the main thing really. I mean there were a lot of sort of uh, dodgy-esque rumours sort of swirling about um, on Twitter you know but I think the common one has been sort of with 14 players out and you know evidently I think the quota is 13 outfield players and a goalkeeper to to play a tie um but obviously with the young with the youth FA Cup uh, tie having also been postponed it's evidently a clear indication um that we're unable to sort of field even a mix of sort of young and sort of senior players um but I mean I mean Steve the fan reaction I have to say online has been entirely I should say the rival fan uh, reaction online has been entirely unsurprising. Um, we've we've had um, a range of fans, the Villa fans, coming back at us over the FA Cup game we played against their under-18s, under-23s hybrid squad in which we won 4-1 rather sheepishly, I, I might add. Um, and then, of course, Arsenal fans sort of, you know, the, the usual comments of, oh, you know, you're too scared to sort of play against us without uh, Mane, Salah and Keita off, off at the AFCON. Um, I mean, it's a bit daft, isn't it, in light of sort of recent events, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can sort of see where they're coming from when, you know, some of our best players are now off to a different continent to go and play, you know, for their nations. And, you know, why not, of course? Um, it's a great honour for them. But, yeah, you've got to realise the situation that we're in. COVID is a developing situation. It has been for two years now. And it's, it's, it's even at a state now where it's changing every single week. Like, you know, the rumours aren't particularly helpful, but if we're just going to take them on board for the moment, the idea that there could be between 10 and 20 uh, footballers that have now caught the virus, I mean, Klopp's got it, Linders has got it. So it's like, you know, we obviously are in a very unique situation, as I say, you know, it's been going on for a while now, but it is still relatively new. I, I said before as well, I don't envy decision makers, but 
it's just the sound of the times and we've got to get on with it. I don't think anybody really wants to postpone games. You know, Liverpool do not want to see their games get rearranged. So we've got a, a big cluster in a couple of weeks. Nobody wants this. But it's just one of the things you've got to get on with it. Fans will always talk. Fans will always take the piss. You know, we have in the past. Fans are going to take the piss out of us. It's just one of those things. But yeah, there's a lot of hypocrisy online. I'd say, you know, people on Twitter, they, they, they talk a big game. You know what I mean? So it's it's just one of those things. We've got to just get on with it. You know, no one's really in a good position at the minute. I mean, Rick, do you, do you see there being any sort of truth uh, to some of the rumours sort of circulating online? And would you say the postponement ultimately benefits Liverpool? I mean, we were we were chatting beforehand, and when that that rumour first came out, it was like it just seems like a bit of a like it didn't make sense. The when whenever there's been a breakout at, at most Premier League clubs, uh, it's been like in clusters of like maybe two or three players, and they're usually the players that. Because you know how they are, the little friendship groups. It's usually like those little circles of players that you know. It'll be all, it'll be you know all the keepers at one club, or you know all of the South American players at another club that have just hung out together, and naturally that's you know and and just to see numbers that high. I mean, I know that this this variant is is very uh, transmissible, but I mean, it just it it just didn't make sense looking at it on paper. Uh, but that's, I mean, if they're closing down the, uh, you know, Kirby, then it's just like, well, I mean, obviously there's, there's, there's something, um, very serious going on. And I mean, like you see people joking about put, uh, Carol and Caroline on as, uh, you know, backup defenders and, you know, it's just like, I, I mean, yeah, but like, it, it, it's funny. It's, I, I get it. But at the same time, I, it's a serious, serious issue. I mean, I'm I've been throwing out jokes all all, all evening, so I'm I'm not exactly one to to sort of say like you should not joke about this, but um, but yeah, it's it's the the issue that we have now is is fitting in these these new matches like these 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 postponements because it's so far it's the Arsenal um, away leg is now you know going to be the second leg rather than the first uh, the FA Youth game. Against Burnley, that's that's now gone. Uh, don't know what's happening with that. Is that being postponed and rearranged, or is that just you know they, they've got to buy through to the next round? Um, I, I believe postponed. Yeah, um, is what's initially coming out. Yeah, uh, looks like the FA Cup game at the weekends in 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 doubt. I mean, yeah, I'm all for giving the youth a shot, but they've got to be able to train. You know, that's what all these all these Arsenal fans that were coming out of the woodwork the other day they were just like, oh yeah. Just play the kids, like you know, going down the down the list of the management team and going, oh, this guy, this guy right here is on this list, so therefore he can step in for Klopp. You know, it, it just that, yeah, okay, someone. It doesn't matter. I could probably stand in for Klopp if I had him on the phone and just said, like, right, okay, the boss says you need to do this, you need to do that. Um, I mean, most people could probably fit into that role. It doesn't take a brain surgeon, but. The, the issue is having the the ability for all these players to train, and if the if the training ground is shut down, then this whole thing just comes to a comes to a standstill. And so now we're in a situation where we can't even probably play midweek unless we get knocked out of the Champions League. Playing midweek isn't really an option. So I mean, where where are these games going to get fit in? And so the the player welfare is then in, in, in jeopardy. It's it's just a mess. It, the whole thing's just a mess. 
I mean, you see these jokes sort of circling around, so we're going to end up sort of fielding sort of Mona Emma as the first team coach, <laughs> and then any old any old lad around the the general area. You, I mean, yes, I mean, you. Yeah, it'll be me. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's. I mean, at the end of the day, obviously, the, the Aston Villa FA Cup game is one that keeps getting thrown around, but the reality of the situation, this was an issue forced upon Aston Villa at the time um, by the FA, who, with their, uh, I think it was the 14 player rule, and they deemed that they had enough players at the time to be able to fit that quota. Evidently, Liverpool don't if they've had to have an FA, uh, FA youth, youth game sort of called off um, as a result of, sort of the latest outbreak. And we certainly um, wish a speedy recovery to all those affected uh, by the latest outbreak. Um, in the meantime, I'd just like to sort of take us back in time to look at uh, the Chelsea game. Because, um, I mean, it, I mean, Pete, it started off sort of quite nicely for Liverpool. You know, a goal inside the first nine minutes, you know, followed by Salah's before um, the first half hour. And then we just, control just got completely lost in the last five minutes and we allowed Chelsea back into the game. I mean, what, what, were, your, what were your thoughts, I suppose, from that sort of first half? Yeah, I think well, we couldn't really ask so much more, could you? You know, as you say, when... So thankfully, man, I didn't get sent off. I wasn't too against them. And that's for quite in the face. I wouldn't mind doing that myself sometimes. Um, and then obviously he got to stay on and and score the goal, which which was great for him, confidence wise, and obviously for us to put us ahead. And then that second goal was just so good, wasn't it? You know, that pass from Trent, the touch, beat Marcus Alonso, and floors the keeper. You just like so thankful that it was them too. Obviously, because before they were about to head off for a month, you're just happy to see them do what they could do and then it just it did look like we were just gonna hopefully just go and see how the game maybe score again we had that chance with Salah didn't we where uh, Chalaba did quite well on them and it was just yeah it didn't look like it was coming there there two goals before half time you know we we were playing quite well and I think you know, people pointing fingers at, at certain players which seems a bit stupid because I think you know, obviously Milner gives a free kick away but if that if that hits the wall we'll never hear about him giving that foul away again but just because Keller ends, Keller ends up doing <laughs> getting a good save on it and it goes to Kovacic and he scores like one of the best goals you'll see suddenly Milner's <laughs> the enemy number one and then obviously the second goal could have been avoided but again it, it's a it's a lot of things happen in the lead up to a goal don't they man uh, sorry Salah could have got in front of Rudiger and you know Kanate could have done more Henderson Van Dijk Keller you, you can point to a lot of them but at the end of the day it was just quite a good goal by them I think Defence was a bit of space for Polisic, but I just think it was disappointing to see us concede both goals. But you know these things happen. Chelsea would have been disappointed to concede two goals that they did against us. It's just you know it's two very good teams of football playing against each other, and those goals happen, and they kind of just equaled each other out in the second half. We no one had any really huge chances, so I think all the fun and excitement was over in about half an hour. But it was exciting for a neutral, and you obviously understand why. Everyone was raving about it online afterwards, but yeah, I think just disappointing, but not in a sense that I blame X, Y, or Z. Just disappointing that we couldn't get the the three points. But if you go away to the Champions of Europe and get a point, it's never a bad result, really. So it's just on us for the rest of the season to to do what we can do. No, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned sort of the midfield there, sort of scapegoats, and obviously a lot of finger pointing has been done online uh, with the midfield, in particular with. Uh, Jordan Henderson and James Milner. Um, I mean, Steve, I'd love to get your thoughts on the game as well. But I mean, do you? How do you feel about sort of the criticism of our midfield? Because I mean, we've seen some stat- stats thrown about. Um, I think the common one that was around prior to the Chelsea game was one with Thiago's so 100% win rate with him starting in the midfield, 36% win rate 
without. Um, personally, I think the issue is a bit more sort of complex than having Thiago in or outside of the team. Um, but what, what do you sort of make of the sort of midfield criticism and the game in general? Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Liverpool's team, we're world-class all up the pitch. Midfield is probably the position where, where we're at nine. We're a 10 in attack, 10 in defence, 10 in goal, probably a nine in midfield. You know, it, it is our weaker point. Um, I think, you know, we're lacking depth, real options off the bench at the minute, you know, through injuries, through COVID. Harvey Elliott's a big example. Um, you can't forget as well the loss that is Jeannie Vijnaldum, uh, Mr. Available. You know, so many factors. And just going back to the game as well, I mean, you're probably mo- mainly underwhelmed by the defence. You know, play- players like Virgil van Dijk aren't immune to criticism. And I'm not going to obviously pin it on van Dijk, but there was moments in the game where he didn't cover himself in glory, which is rare for van Dijk. But again, going to Stamford Bridge, as Pete pointed out, the current reigning champions of Europe, that's going to be one of the hardest games this season. For the first half an hour, we trounced them. It was, it was great. It's a shame what happened in, in the following hour. But... You know, it, it was a bit like watching a, a game uh, in Serie A, to be honest with you. The defence wasn't there for either side, really, for the first half. It was just the attacking fluidity was there. It was great to watch, I imagine, as a neutral. Obviously, a bit hard to watch at half-time for a Liverpool fan. Um, being 2-0 ahead makes it feel worse as well. If it had been, if it was the other way around that we were losing 2-0 and brought it back to 2-2, we wouldn't be sitting here feeling like this now. Obviously, we're a little bit away from the full-time whistle, so we, we do feel better generally. But just going back, I mean, I don't really want to focus on the negatives all that much because there are things, Kovacic, for example, scores a goal that you're not going to see many of them this year. That's probably Chelsea's version of Thiago's goal in the Champions League. You know, that is an unbelievable goal. You could put Oblak in the goal and he's not going to save that. It's, it's perfect. Um, you, you can't really complain about these kinds of things, but I just want to point out, you know, um, Kelleher in goal, what a performance he put in. There's a save that he pulled off in the second half. I can't remember who took the shot, but it was quite close range and it was a brilliant save. And just him stepping into Alisson's shoes, gloves maybe, um, you know, one of the best, maybe, you know, maybe even the best goalkeeper in the world some weeks. And Kelleher steps up every single time we need him. And he did again at Stamford Bridge. You can't do anything about Kovacic's goal. Maybe the defence in midfield could have done better for Pulisic. But it is what it is. 2-2 is not a bad result for Stamford Bridge. Obviously, in the context with Man City, we're trying to chase the title. It's a bit of a dent to those hopes. But Man City have got a freak of a squad. It's hard to compete with them. We're playing very well at the minute. You know, the game at Stamford Bridge showed that for the first, you know, 30, 35 minutes. But one of those things, you know, Jurgen Klopp wasn't there. A few players are away. Injuries, COVID. AFCON's on the horizon, you know, positives like Pete said is Salamani scoring. So these are the things we've got to look at going forward. And, you know, I, I don't really think, having had a bit of time to digest it, that it was a bad result. As I say, if it was, we came back from 2-0 down and made it 2-2, we'd be feeling a hell of a lot better right now. But it's just, it was the other way around this time. That's the thing. I mean, it is purely sort of in the, the grander context of, of the title race and obviously having that sort of um, now sort of, Bigger sort of gap now to sort of climb um, for both Chelsea as well as Liverpool. Um, I, mean, I mean, Rick, I, I just want to pick on sort of a few points that Steve raised there. You know, obviously we have been unlucky is a word sort of frequently used for Liverpool over the, the course of the last sort of two seasons. 
Um, but realistically, you know, we are missing sort of we've been missing a few sort of big names as a result of injuries, result of COVID. And, you know, this is going to be particularly exacerbated when you're coming up, as Steve noted, against squads like City that can sort of fill two separate world-class 11s. I mean, in your mind, do you sort of see Liverpool as being unlucky or sort of having failed to recruit properly um, in, in, in the summer window, as Steve rightly noted, with sort of the loss of Gini uh, Wijnaldum to contend with? The answer that I want to give is one where... Yes, we, there have been times where we've been unlucky. I mean, take, for example, Mane. So Mane, for the last, how many games was it, 10? I failed to, to score in. Um, but the underlying stats have been really positive. Like, he's been getting involved. He's been making the key interactions. He's been making the key passes, you know, helping set up uh, Salah. And, uh, no, it's, it's, it's not as if he's just been a waste of space on the pitch. As a forward, you 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 you're supposed to be making those kind of you know end goals, um, but he's just you know it, because he hasn't been hit, scoring in the back of the net. You know it, it's been this this shadow like just sort of constantly on his back, and yeah, he's, he's finally broken that deadlock now. So hopefully he can push on in Afcon and beyond, and beyond that. Um, so there there is an element of like you know. Liverpool have been unlucky. Like Mane, uh, it, like I said, has been unlucky. It's just getting the most out of these players and, until the point where it's like, okay, well, now we are right on, in form. You know, everything is going our way. Also, there's been like moments that have been going well for us that just haven't necessarily been appreciated. Uh, I, okay, I'm going to pull a, a Garth Crooks now and, uh, and talk about one oh, thing. But actually, actually, I want to talk <laughs> about another thing. So. <laughs> Um, you know, Salah's goal. It was it was a great goal. Uh, you know, it's a ridiculously difficult angle to score from. Uh, very close to the to the to the post. You know, on the keeper's side. You know, and he and he scores against his former club. You know, any other player and the the commentary team would be all getting all excited, but because it's Mo Salah and he does it every week, it's it's just a it's a formality. And you know, like the 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 commentary team on Sky were practically asleep at the wheel when that goal went in and then you look at the Pulisic goal which you know I'm not going to take anything away from the Pulisic goal is a you know great finish but Gary Neville goes on to have an orgasm on the microphone the the audio sound guy is you know he's uh he's asleep at the wheels probably a Chelsea fan because like and and I know more than anyone that like you know audio is is hard to 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 work with but yeah it's just like just the, the audio just went just completely peaking audio all over the place. It's just so you know. It it just goes to show that like you know, it's it's Liverpool have done have done quite well for themselves. It's just that um, and to 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 get this far, especially when everything is is snacked against them, um, it's just, we just need a little little bit more of that look. Um, I, I think like as as Steve was saying, like there's, there's maybe dipping into the transfer window, you know, is needed. I think. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to sort of get too far ahead of ourselves, but like you know, uh, I think the team basically needs a bit of a refresh, not not complete overhaul. I don't think it'll be in this in this window, but like it just need I th- we just need a little bit of freshening up here and there, a little bit of competition to light a bit of fire under a few people's under a few people's feet. Absolutely, I mean, I mean um, we'll certainly be discussing uh, transfers and the transfer window generally uh, shortly. Uh, for now, I mean, let, let's let's look ahead to the cups, and obviously we've got some Shrewsbury uh, 
sort of coming up in the next few days. Um, given the latest sort of COVID development, it does certainly raise questions about whether the tie um, will go ahead. Um, but sort of looking sort of slightly further afield to the uh, delayed at, um, Arsenal game uh, in the League Cup, the semi-final. I mean, we talk about luck. Um, I think sort of one area sort of Liverpool haven't perhaps massively struggled in that regard is, is in sort of the knockout sort of competition. Um, progressed brilliantly in the Champions League group stage. Um, you know, we've already had sort of a that sort of special um, European-esque night in terms of the comeback against Leicester City. Um, I mean, <laughs> we discussed it before, and obviously the general consensus that has formed is that you need that sort of world-class array of 22 players to compete with Manchester City in the league. Otherwise, you're relying to an extent on luck. Um, sort of comparatively, uh, Liverpool needed sort of a bit less of that in terms of the knockout competitions. It is the focus now, Pete, on on the Cups, you know, on the likes of League Cups, uh, the FA Cup, and of course the, the Champions League. Well, I think it's, it's, it's trying to stay as much in touch as we can with, with City and Chelsea, obviously, because if things go wrong, we need to make sure we stay with them. I think, you know, a few weeks ago, you probably would have said top three is, is easily ours, but I still think we will finish in it. But obviously with teams like Arsenal, Tottenham doing quite well, you, you, we can't tear our attention fully away from the league, so we will have to keep going for it. And being in a position that should City slip up, drop any points, or have a COVID and injury crisis that we can we can pick up on it, then that, that's obviously what's going to be important. But if you look at it, just taking a step back, we should finish in the top four. So our priority probably should be to try and, and win a trophy. And, you know, I think a lot of people have said it, haven't they? The, this team that we've got, we, we as fans all know how great they are, but, you know, give it 10, 20, 30 years and people will just write them off saying, oh, they only won one league and that's it done then. So you need to make sure you, you back it up with the silverware and, and with the open top bus tours that we're all, we're all promised and that we've all missed out on. So I think if we go and try and hopefully beat Arsenal and go and beat Shrewsbury as long as we've still got enough for the weekend games and we can still go full force for the Champions League then why not do it it, it does seem like this is a great season to do it because as much as we <laughs> we will have a lot of you know, a lot of players like Salah and Mane won't be saying the dream and win the Carabao Cup they'll definitely happily have it on the CV at the end of their career if they can put it alongside the other trophies they've already won so let's go and win them as long as we don't throw everything away in, in the hunt of beating Arsenal in the semi-final. Let's just see what we can win. And as they always say, just prioritise the next game. Why not just field the strongest side we can each and every game we've got them and let's just go for it and see where we end up in, mate. I mean, Steve, you still have always certainly in sight. You know, we're in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup. Obviously, it's a competition that does tend uh, to get mocked uh, by English you know, football fans. It's the, the lowest sort of tier cup you can possibly get. Um, but I mean... <sighs> Is, is is that sort of a genuine sort of you know option for us now? You know, is, is that almost hold sort of more prestige? I don't think this Liverpool squad is going to need to be told how important the League Cup is. I mean, you've got to remember that for the longest time, our captain, it was his only honour at the club. You know, he won that League Cup in 2012 and then spent the best part of a decade with that being the only medal that he had as a Liverpool player. So... In terms of like, I mean, Rick, Rick alluded to a fire being under the arse of some players. I think Jordan Henderson will put a rocket under the arse of some players because the League Cup is a piece of silverware at the end of the day. You know, if we were to win the League Cup, Premier League and the Champions League, hypothetically speaking, we're going to walk around and call it the treble. 
We're not going to call it the double plus one. It's the treble. It's three trophies. I'm not saying that it equates to the same. You know, it does feel like the diet FA Cup, if you like, um, to a degree, with all due respect to the FA Cup. I, I know it plunges a bit deeper than the football pyramid. But, um, yeah, I don't think this Liverpool squad needs convincing. And earlier this season, I'd have maybe said you can't really say the same about Liverpool's second string that you can Liverpool's first string. Um, but what the second string um, has shown us, uh, the game against Leicester, uh, the best example of it, is that Liverpool's mentality runs through the entire squad. You know, these players will fight for the share right until the final whistle. So no matter who's on the pitch, 11 Liverpool players are backed them to go all the way in the League Cup. Uh, and Jordan Henderson, whether he's on the pitch, whether he's in the changes room, whatever, he'll be screaming at these players. You know, he'll be using the example that he was at the club. It was the first trophy he won with Liverpool. And as I say, it was the trophy that he held for such a long time before he finally picked up the Champions League trophy. So, yeah, I think the League Cup is probably a bit more of a priority than it usually is in previous years. You know, we've seen the way the club approaches the League Cup in that, you know, Pep Linders basically just runs it um, for the club. But, yeah, I think, you know, it's probably gone up a little bit in terms of echelon for the club, but... Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's a legitimate target, but it always was. I mean, I mean, Rick, you'd be hard pressed to find sort of many a Liverpool fan who'd be satisfied with um, just the League Cup uh, this season. But you know, I'm sure many would probably agree that the League Cup and say the Champions League, uh, at the least, is probably you know, a successful season. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to uh, expect anyone to start celebrating on the streets, but I mean, like, a, a, a Carabao Cup win would be. Yeah, considerable, a considerable amount more than what we've won. You know, I, I, last time we won it was 2012. We, there have been several seasons since then where we've won absolutely bugger all. So, uh, just to have some form of silverware is, you know, a reason to celebrate. Not, you know, let's set off fireworks and go nuts, but you know, it's, it's something, and it's it's little sort of ticket. It's an extra. It's an extra number on the wall of champions. It's you know, it's it still means something, but it doesn't mean an awful lot um but yeah it's it's uh, i mean at the end of the day the 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 value of it it's it's still something to to cherish uh, in in terms of it's it's an away final you know it's it's a final at wembley it's uh it's it's some you know you're gonna have trip down to london little little uh boozer before and a little bit of boozer afterwards and you know it's uh you know tinny's on the train you know it's it's one of those kind of it's one of those kind of occasions and uh, you, you, any sort of occasion like that is one to savor really so um you know i'm not not completely sort of like oh this is the our whole season rests on this but it's a nice little bonus let's put it that way absolutely absolutely and we're certainly sort of in a good um, position to sort of make the most of it and uh, we're back in the sort of all the way every day. It is silverware, Steve rightly pointed out, and I think we'd all rather have it than not have it if the option is available to us. Um, looking sort of more currently, I mean, you know, we've embarked into the sort of January transfer window and um, I think that the general sort of comment has been made is that obviously Liverpool tend to avoid this particular window um, unless, you know, either through desperation um, as the sort of last season sort of signified, or you know the right man being available at the right time um, for the right price, you know, Alisson, you know, Van Dijk. I mean, 
do we see, we discussed earlier sort of the midfield struggles as highlighted by the Chelsea game just generally throughout the season. Um, obviously, sort of the forward line was also discussed prior to the season beginning and when we were sort of thinking about uh, Mane, Salah and Firmino sort of contracts um, and sort of general sort of the forward planning beyond that. Pete, I mean, firstly, do you reckon we'll do any business in January? Um, and if so, or if not, you know, who would you like to see the club go for? Where would you like to see strengthen? Yeah, uh, I don't think we will, to be honest. It never, never seems to be something we concentrate on. So I, I, I won't pass. So you've got some more time to, to talk about it. But um, yeah, I don't think it's something we're going to do. Obviously, we, the worst case scenario was missing Salah and, and Mane for, the, I think it was five games. They were due to be out for that because we got to the semi final. And it looks like Shrewsby probably won't go ahead. Arsenal's gone, although it's moved back. So it's, it's four games. We've lost, I know, a fifth of the game we, we were going to not have them there anyway so I just feel like it's definitely not going to be a priority especially when you consider probably half the staffer at home <laughs> so I don't know who they're going to be signing while they're all ill I'm sure they would have been doing their homework beforehand and they would have had a list of people if they were going to sign them but I just think with what's going on you know how are they going to get anyone in to do a medical how are they going to do anything you know, it just seems very unlikely and I don't think we're in that desperate need despite what you're see and hear from a lot of Liverpool fans whenever we don't win a game 4-0 I don't think our team's that bad really so I think we've got enough to do the rest of the season if there was a issue like we had at the centre-backs last year then maybe they would move into it but I think we've got enough of the midfielders coming back the issues has been COVID not injuries thankfully so unless we can sign like a super vaccine and I don't think we're going to sign anyone I mean, Steve, would you share that sentiment? I mean, because we've seen, I mean, links will just be ongoing, you know, been linked to sort of every every man and his dog um, since the, the prior sort of summer window. But you've got sort of names like uh, Dennis Zakaria and Frank Kessier who continue to be linked with the club and obviously their contracts are expiring in the summer, which, you know, raises questions about, you know, could you at least look to sign these players on a pre-contract agreement or, you know, for a potential cut price free? Um, for Balizio Renano, uh, has obviously recently come out and maintains that uh, Liverpool are interested in Renato Sanchez and have have the Portuguese international higher up on our lists ahead of uh, Florian Neuhaus. But um, I mean, do do you believe that we do need to strengthen in January? And what sort of areas names should we be looking at? I don't think there's much of a need to strengthen in January. I think if you had the foresight to be able to predict Harvey Elliott's injury, you maybe would have brought forward a midfield signing. But obviously, we can't do these things. Uh, I don't think uh, Sam is going to be brought forward to January. I think perhaps the goal was probably always, you know, going to be this summer, um, which feels like it's something the club's been saying for a while in terms of having a big summer. But obviously, we have signed players in recent years. You can't forget these things. But um, the midfield, as you mentioned there, Renato Sanchez, Niehaus, Zachariah, even the more lofty suggestions of like Bellingham, these players would improve the squad, no doubt. Uh, the squad as a whole, these players wouldn't necessarily go straight into the first 11. Uh, you can maybe argue the case Bellingham might do. Um, to touch back on what Rick was saying before, and I think this is a general thing, uh, we do need to sort of put a bit of heat on some players. We could do with a right-footed, this is general, you know, not January, go, just going forward generally. We could do with a right-footed Simicas, I think, you know, Trent. Not so much competition because we're not going to find someone to compete with Trent, I don't think. But you need someone who's a capable standing for Trent, with all due respect to Nico Williams. There's too much of a drop-off there, I think, to rely on that. Because if Trent was to get injured for a number of months, you're left with Nico, 
as I say, with all due respect, you're not going to want to put Nico against Bayern or Real Madrid, you know what I mean? I think they'd be more likely to play uh, Milner in that position if, if, if that were to happen. I think he would be a safer option, James Milner. He's got the years, obviously, in the bank, got the uh, composure. Uh, Nico Williams is definitely Nico. Sorry, is definitely more the player that you're going to be playing in the cups, um, that kind of thing. I think you could do as well. Uh, on top of that, you could do a midfield signing. Like, you know, it's quite fine to say Bellingham. Renato Sanchez is probably a bit more realistic for Liverpool. It's the kind of thrifty deal that we go for. I think. Uh, I think that'd be a great signing just to put a little bit more pressure on Jordan Henderson. Uh, other players in midfield as well. You know, a fully fit Liverpool squad. We're not actually that bad. You know, Fabinho, Thiago, Elliot, um, Keita, you know, Curtis Jones waiting in the wings, Jordan Henderson. A fully fit Liverpool squad that hasn't got COVID is absolutely fine. We could do, I think, maybe replacing the body that is Zed and Shaqiri. Uh, not literally the body. You couldn't find someone that shaped to fit into the squad. <laughs> but you could do with a winger like that, a left a left-footed winger in the sort of Salah mold, which... You know, Shaqiri wasn't exactly that, but he did kind of, you know, he ticked a few boxes. I think we could do another player like that. Obviously, we've got Taki, we've got Origi. You know, there's obviously been talks about their future and stuff, but I think we could do with you know, another member of Jota, obviously, is, you know, moving in and out of Firmino's position sometimes, Mane's, but I think that right-hand side really could do with a bit more depth to it, and that is the right-back, the right-wing, and the right-side of midfield where Henderson usually occupies. But as I say... I don't think that's going to be happening in January. That's just generally looking forward. A lovely shout out there for the Swiss power cube that is Jordan Shakiri. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, Rick, is it almost an impossible sort of situation when it comes to transfers? Because you're always looking to sort of almost play catch up with Manchester City. I mean, Steve rightly pointed out there, like realistically, if we look at sort of a fully fit, our strongest starting eleven can compete with any side in Europe. So it's, you know... How how do we sort of look to sort of compete with City then in, in the transfer window? I mean, you, you turn to examples like uh, Smikas and, and say, like, look, he's 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 a player that um, you know he's he's still establishing himself in the team. I think most most fans would agree that he's he's done tremendously in the in the limited time that he's he's had really um, ever since he's sort of got over that bout of COVID. Uh, he's uh, he, he's really kicked on, and you know he's um, he's pretty much the second best in his position only you know behind Robertson like yeah, I mean like I'm just you know not maybe not second best but you know he's definitely like up there in in the uh, uh, in the rankings and it's just like I mean you can turn around to say like look you're not going to replace Salah I mean I think I think even like Harvey Elliott is a player that uh, there's a lot of overlap that happens uh, when he's on the pitch and so like you know it's not exactly a, a you know a like for like replacement well, when he is when he is fit and when he is playing it's like you know it, that alleviates some of the pressure on on uh, any replacement or not replacement but like you know any standing for for mo if we are, if we were to approach someone and go like look it's not as if you've got to replace one of the best players on the planet if you're playing in it, it like you know as if, if he's having a break that that match uh because you've still got the likes of harvey elliott and, and whatnot to help you in that in that area of the pitch so yeah i, I don't i don't I don't think it's necessarily too hard to convince players to 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 come over. I mean, like I said, like Smikas is is one of those. It's like, well, Robertson's one of the best players in the world in his position. You know, you're going to get limited game time, but I mean, you can still show the world what you're made of. So I don't think it's that much of a difficult task. But yeah, it's it's 
at the end of the day, I don't think we'll we'll sign anyone this window. Um, if we do, I I think we're more likely to to do like a, a Kaita style, just out of the blue one day. Oh, by the way, we've signed this player, and he joins us in the next window. You know, as soon as he can be registered or in a season's time or whatever that might be. I think we're more likely to see one of these just like mic drop boom out of nowhere than you know, oh January's here. You know, we've got to we've got to make a move. Uh, I, I just you know, if we do sign someone, this is probably the last Michael Edwards move, which is a bit sad, um, a bit you know, pour one out for for Mickey Edwards. Sort of cautiously optimistic uh, message about Liverpool's yeah. transfer prospects. Um, Unlikely to make any signings to January, but I don't think any Liverpool fan um, would be massively surprised if that were the case. We've still got an incredible, incredible squad, and you know you can still have a pretty, pretty good season, even if you know we don't manage to catch City in the title. So I think, yeah, cautiously optimistic, and we'll, we'll see how the rest of it goes. Um, you've been listening to Empire the Cops Red Net podcast with Rick Elliott, Steve Carson, Peter Gunny Jones, and myself, Farrell Keeling. Be sure to catch up with us next week. Where we'll be hopefully. Uh, reviewing our uh, FA Cup meeting with Shrewsbury and then looking ahead to the League Cup semi-final postponed clash with Arsenal. Thanks for listening. Take care.